Blog Talk Radio. And with that, I certainly hope it gets you excited for the start of another phenomenal college football season. Hey, if you're a college football aficionado, you've come to the right place. Great to have you with us, everybody. I'm Michael Regai, and this is Strong as Steel. Yes, Strong as Steel. Reason being, we have one of college football's most accomplished analysts with us each and every week. My buddy, I've known him for a long, long time, and has proven that he's on the Mount Rushmore college football analyst, the author of the most detail-oriented, I'm talking about all of the 128 college football FBS programs intensive, Phil Steele, college football's preview magazine with the one and only Phil Steele. Phil, how are you, my man, as college football really kicks in this week? I am doing great, Michael. How about yourself? I'm terrific. I'm excited. I just said a moment ago, Phil, I mean, listen, we know college football aficionados are have been chomping at the bit, but, you know, if, if you can't be excited as a prelude to this first weekend, I, I, we better check everybody's pulses, Phil. I mean, it's going to be a phenomenal start to the season. Don't you agree? Yeah, this is probably the best opening weekend ever in college football. I attribute part of that to the four-team playoff where uh, teams are trying to bone up their schedules a little bit for the upcoming season. But uh, the matchups we have going on this weekend are games that are going to determine perhaps who even makes the playoffs at the end of the year. I mean, uh, Florida State playing Mississippi, Alabama, USC, LSU, Wisconsin, Auburn, Clemson, Oklahoma, Houston. I could go on and on. Uh, this is the deepest opening weekend that I can ever recall. Yeah, by the way, all of you, uh, and Phil and I are going to get into some of those matchups that he just mentioned now. We want to be as interactive as possible with all of you on the show. So uh, you've got a lot of ways you can do that. You can uh, give us a holler. We've got folks lined up already, so give us a holler, and we'll we'll get you on and allow you to ask us questions, express your opinions, 646 
646-668-2248. You want to do it on Twitter? We're going to be checking Twitter as well. At Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, 042. At Phil Steele, 042. Uh, at Michael Regai, that's me, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-E-G-H-I. And our outstanding producer and uh, has such a large part of uh, doing what we do here on the Strongest Steel, uh, at Jim Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. So you got a lot of ways you could contact the show. Phil, with that in mind, you just mentioned it. We're talking January 9th, 2017, Raymond James Stadium uh, in Tampa, Florida. Give us already, because you've, you've already done this in your preview magazine, give us the four squads that you believe that will start play this weekend are going to wind up in the college football playoff and then the two that will be in Raymond James Stadium next January 9th. Well, I think, Michael, uh, this is going to be an unusual year. In fact, uh, a lot of folks think that there's not going to be a year where one conference gets two teams into the playoffs. But I think this is the year that that happens. And to me, in my mind, there are five elite teams in the country this year, talking about uh, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, Florida State, and Clemson. And I think four of those teams get in, whether it's two from the ACC or two from the SEC. I believe the Pac-12 and Big Ten uh, might just beat each other up a little bit this season. Pac-12 did it last year, could do it again this year. But the four teams that I picked to get into the playoffs this year, Oklahoma, which has the clearest path to get there, uh, Alabama, which has the best defense in the country, and my ratings in the magazine always slant a little bit towards the defense, probably 51 to 49 towards the defensive side of the ball. It's part of the reason we've been the most accurate magazine over the last 18 years. Uh, LSU has my number two rated defense in the country, and they got some guy you might have heard of, Michael Leonard Fournette, a running back. And yeah, I have Florida. heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Florida State is last year was the number 128 team in terms of experience. This year they're much more experienced with 17 returning starters. They get that big game against Clemson at home. So those are the four I have in the playoffs. And for the championship game, i got to go with Alabama and Florida State this year. Alabama, Florida State. So there's Phil laying out his four, Florida State, Alabama, Oklahoma, and LSU. Now my good friend, I, I can hear a lot of uh, hand-pounding on, on their, uh, their desktops in the office. You don't have you, no Big Ten squad, no Ohio State, no Michigan State, no Michigan, no Iowa. The four squads that you think they're all going to beat each other up and uh, too many two losses coming out of that group? Yeah, and I think when you look at it this year with Ohio State, they are the youngest team in the country, number 128 out of 128. And I think they take a few lumps early, like the Oklahoma game week three, potentially at Wisconsin, at Penn State, and back-to-back weeks with both teams coming in off a bye. That's a tough scheduling edge for a young team. But at the end of the year, this very talented team, they've had the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten five straight years. They'll have ten games under their belt, and that's when they play their two biggest games of the year, Michigan State, Michigan. I think they win those two games, hence win the East. Do think they win the Big Ten overall, but they might have a couple of losses, and that could very well keep the Big Ten out of the playoffs. Yeah, interesting point. Now, I'm going to agree with you on half of that. We know you and I have talked a lot about the trip to Norman, Oklahoma, but Phil, I, I, I don't believe Ohio State does go unscathed in the Big Ten. They've got to make that trip to Madison as well, 
And I think either in Madison or in East Lansing might be where they trip up. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see how it unfolds. We know all of you have thoughts on it. 646-668-2248. 646-668-2248. Gives you an opportunity right here on Strong as Steel to uh, chat with the guru, the top analyst in college football, Phil Steele. Yours truly, Michael Regai. Phil, let's, let's get our first quarterback out of the huddle. Let's kick it off today as we head to the Commonwealth, the great state of Virginia, and welcome Aaron to Strong as Steel with Phil Steele. Aaron, how you doing, my man? Hey, I'm doing great, thanks. Great to have you on the show. You're our quarterback today, Aaron. You just brought the, the team out of the huddle for the first snap. It's got to make you feel good. All right, sounds good. I'm ready to kick it off. Go right ahead. What do you got for us? Yeah, all right. Hey, hey, Phil, uh, a big fan, um, and I buy the magazine every year. There's nothing else like it. So also love all the information you put out on Twitter. So thanks a lot. But uh, question today, um, last year we had a big matchup uh, in the first uh, first week between the Pac-12 and the SEC with uh, Arizona State and, and Texas A&M. This year Texas A&M uh, is playing against UCLA and uh, – you know, Arizona State uh, kind of took a little beating uh, last year. Do you th- how do you see uh, this matchup between the two conferences going? All right. Really appreciate the call there, Aaron. Thanks for being part of the podcast. Uh, you know, this is an interesting game. I know when you look at last year, A&M did indeed dominate that game against Arizona State. Uh, their defensive ends put all kinds of pressure on the quarterback, and Arizona State never got its offense going. You know, when you look at this particular matchup, A&M's going to have their best defense they've had under someone, two of the best defensive ends in the country, one of the best secondaries. The big question to me is how's that offense going to do against a very underrated UCLA defense? And remember, UCLA last year took a big hit defensively. At the start of the year, there were three guys that had a star and a circle around on defense. All three got injured within the first couple weeks of the season. At the end of the year, a banged-up crew got run over by Nebraska in a bowl game. But this year, eight starters back on defense. Defense. They get back Eddie Vanderdose at the defensive tackle spot, and he's not even part of that eight returning starters. I think they'll have one of the most improved defenses in the country, and their quarterback, I think, is in better shape than Arizona State's quarterback was last year. It's Josh Rosen. He's going to have a good offensive line in front of him, and I think Rosen will be able to do some damage. This is one of those toss-up games. It is in Texas. That's a big advantage for A&M. But uh, I think it's going to be on the lower scoring side. I think when you look at the two teams, they both have strong defenses. I'm going to call for UCLA to pull the upset, but that's going to be a great game to watch and, uh, for a first weekend of college football. Appreciate the call. Yeah, Aaron, we appreciate the call. That was outstanding. And, you know, I, Phil, I, I, I'm a big Josh Rosen guy. You know that. You and I have discussed that. Do you believe when we get to, to November that you and I are going to be doing the show, and is there a possibility as this uh, this young man matures and gets more game experience in that system, are we going to be talking about him with the likes of possibly, you know, Deshaun Watson and Chad Kelly as some of the top five elite quarterbacks in uh, in the game? Yeah, and as far as like Heisman mentioned goes, you have to have that team success going with it. And I think UCLA's got the schedule to have that team success. They get Stanford at home. 
their road games are against Arizona State, Washington State, Colorado, and Cal this year. All those fall in the winnable category. They get the toughest teams at home, USC, Utah, Stanford. They're switching up the offense this year, going to more of a pro-style set. It'll be interesting to see how Rosen does in that new system, but I think he'll do well. He's got guys like Ishmael Adams and Massington to throw to in the backfield. They've got Jamambo and Starks. Uh, and so I, I think that Rosen will be up there. And, you know, when Josh Rosen comes out, he'll be the number one pick in the draft that year. Oh, okay. You got the forecast for the NFL draft. Now, that he'd be Two eligible to now. come out uh, yeah, 2017 season. Keep an eye on him, everybody. Josh Rosen, if you ha- didn't take a look at him last year, uh, as Phil just said it has an outstanding feel for the position and is going to be big, big time for the Bruins of UCLA. Let's head to the great state of North Carolina. Don't know if it's Tar Heel or Wolfpack fan. Here's Greg with some thoughts on uh, the first big weekend of the college football season. Hello, Greg. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing today? We're great. You're on strong as steel with uh, the, of course, uh, the uh, unequaled Phil Steele, Michael Regai. Go right ahead, Greg. Perfect. I was just curious about the USC-Bama game. USC in Phil's magazines ranked best offensive line in the country, but Bama still got a ten point spread on them. You think it's gonna be closer than that or all right. Appreciate the call, Greg. And uh you know, when I look at uh, USC this year, they are loaded in numerous areas. When you look at running backs, receivers, offensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, they're among the best in the country. The question marks you have with USC would be on the defensive line where they lose all four starters in the special teams unit, which is just average this year. And then, of course, big game coaching. When you look at uh, Clay Helton, I got to talk to Coach Helton this summer, and uh, he it really is going to do a great job here at USC. He's got a firm grasp on it, but look how he's done in games against ranked teams so far. He's had a very limited test, three games against ranked teams, and gone one and two in those. Of course, Nick Saban always enters out of the box, very strong, uh, great record of 4-0 in these uh, preseason openers. So I give Alabama the coaching edge there. I think they will be able to establish a run on a USC young defensive line, and then the special teams could be the tipping point here. So I'm actually leaning towards Alabama, wearing them down a little bit in that second half with their run game against that defensive line, and uh, Alabama winning this one probably by something closer to two touchdowns. Appreciate the call there, Greg. Excellent stuff, Greg. Phil, with USC, I can't help think about all the upheaval in the last couple years. And for me, and are you on the same vein and train of thought with this? You know, it's Lane Kiffin and then Steve Sarkeesian. And, you know, it seems like this this story, proud program, top ten in my mind all time in the history of the game. Is Clay Helton the guy who's been on both of those staffs, Kiffin and Sarkeesian? Phil, do you see him as the guy to add some stability and the continuity to the program that the Trojans need to get back in their rightful place? Yes, I I think Clay Helton is the guy. He's a very stable head coach, really understands uh, the game and the team. And then I like the fact that USC now is getting back to full scholarships. That's something where they haven't been. They've been a depth-shy team in recent years. As When I went through the team with Coach Helton this year, I mean, their running backs go three or four deep. The receivers are three or four deep. The offensive line is three deep. This is stuff you didn't see a couple years ago. Before, they used to have one deep at a lot of positions with that quality talent, and then they struggled, especially late in the year, due to limited scholarships. I think now that the scholarships are back up there, Clay Helton can lead them there. 
It's going to be interesting to watch, no doubt about that. As I said, you know, one of the story programs in the history of uh, uh, the great game of college football, and we'll see if this is a restoration to some of that prominence. Uh, You can tweet at the show as well, and again, we're strong as steel. I'm Michael Regai, longtime uh, college football uh, play-by-play voice and and studio host, and uh, my good friend, uh, the preeminent, the top college football analyst in the business in each and every year. Is Phil Steele's college football preview, as you said, uh, ranked number one for the last 18 years and continuing to hold that spot. Phil Steele will do this with you every week. It's the podcast you cannot afford to miss if you're a college football fan. Our, our producer is uh, Jimmy Boz, the uh, fabulous Jim Nabosna. Uh, we want you to be able to join us on Twitter at Phil Steele042, at Michael Regai and at Jim Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Jimmy Boz, you got some, uh, I know the tweeters that are burning it up. What do you have for us this afternoon? So, at Tommy Touchy, coming in from Texas, and he would like to know, can Texas Tech play enough defense to win eight games this year? Mm. All right, Tommy. Eight games. Eight games for the Red Raiders? Sounds like a little high. Well, they did win eight in, in uh, Kingsbury's first year, and they won seven last year. And I think when you take a look yeah. at the schedule this year, there are plenty of games where they're going to be an underdog. Games like at Arizona State, at Kansas State, uh, home against Oklahoma, at TCU, at Oklahoma State. Uh, but there are some winnable games out there. They get Baylor, which is uh, down a little bit. Uh, and when I talked to Coach Kingsbury this spring, or this summer, I should say, Uh, He really thinks this is going to be a much-improved defense. You look at a couple of transfers they have at the defensive line. Andre Pipkins from Michigan uh, coming in there is a big-time addition. They get a Notre Dame transfer and Colin Hill coming in. They actually have some size on that defensive line, something they've been lacking since uh, Kingsbury took over. You look at the uh, linebacking core. Uh, This is still a work in progress. The secondary has got some veteran unit. I think Tech will be able to play improved defense this year, but I'm still not going to put them among the elite in the country. And probably where I'm uh, looking at this team and wondering a little bit about is the depth on the offensive line. They can't afford a lot of injuries there. So an improved defense, especially up front on that D-line, it is the second year. For David Gibbs, remember he came in last year. Yeah, uh, they yeah. didn't. They made they made some strides last year, but I think they'll make bigger strides this year. I'm not calling for him to get to eight wins though this year. I think Tech will be a fun, exciting team to watch. Appreciate the tweet. Yeah, I'll I'll give you guys a little insight. Uh, Phil Steele, me too, is and we have fun, is a big Cliff Kingsbury guy, and uh, you know he has shown the type of improvement that Phil was discussing. So, but no, a, an excellent t- tweet. No question about that. A little bit later on the show, we're going to take a, a look at some of these matchups that are uh, going to be so significant and so impactful as we uh, kick off this uh, first huge college football weekend over the Labor Day weekend. You guys are just blowing it up, though, and we love it. It's 646. It's how you join our Strongest Steel podcast. 646-668-2248 to chat with uh, Phil Steele and yours truly. Let's do that. Let's head to the one of my favorite cities in the whole world, Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. Here's Sean checking in with us on Strongest Steel. What's going on, Sean? How are you? Good, good. How are you guys doing? We're terrific. What do you have for Phil today? 
All right, so let's go down to Texas. I want to talk about this UCLA game. You get the offensive coordinator of, what, four years uh, of UCLA heading over to Texas A&M, first game of the year in front of 100,000 people. Um, I'm looking at the total in this one. What do you think? How do you think it's affected as far as the UCLA defense, knowing what to expect a little bit, and obviously uh, Texas A&M sort of knowing what UCLA is going to do at the same time? I've seen the total go up to 55, back down to 53. Uh, how do you think the offense is going to be affected with uh, a few suspensions on Texas A&M as well? Well, I, I think when you when you look at this game, uh, Sean, you're looking at the fact that both teams are going to have much improved defenses this year. When you look at A&M, they've got the defensive line and the defensive backs uh, to really be an improved defense. And I think when you look at them offensively, they may slow it down a little bit. They've been running that break, breakneck pace for these years, uh, and I think this is definitely someone's best defense. As I touched on a little bit earlier in the show today, you know, UCLA's defense was extremely banged up. They lost basically their best three players early in the season last year. At the end of the year, they were a depth-shy team. This year, they've got eight starters back on the defensive side of the ball. And as you touched on, there is familiarity with the offense that they're going to be facing here. So uh, I like the I, – I think this is going to be a lower-scoring game than most folks expect. I think it barely gets into the 40s because I'm really high on both defenses this year. A couple of top 25 defenses, a couple of offenses that have some question marks. You look at UCLA's offense. They only have four starters back this year. You look at Texas A&M, while they do have a veteran quarterback coming in and taking over, it is his first game as a transfer. So I am definitely leaning uh, with a lower scoring game in that one. Appreciate it. Yeah, very good question. Phil, very tough, though. I, you know, Kevin Sumlin, uh, you know, I, initially I, I certainly really felt that he was a star on the rise in the uh, the college football ranks, a couple of eight and fives the last two years, of course, after the departure of his uh, his former problem child, yet Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel. Do you think among the, the A&M administration that there's a number this year, a success number that Kevin Sumlin's going to have to meet, or might he be one of those coaches that has uh, got a for sale sign on the house come uh, later in the year? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question, Michael. And on philsteel.com, uh, probably on Thursday morning, I will have my coaches on the hot seat article, and uh, it's had a lot of good success predicting those coaches that don't end up uh, lasting the season or get booted out shortly thereafter. And I would think Kevin Sumlin's going to make that list. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be gone. As you touched on, there is a number. I think if he gets back to eight wins this year against the schedule they're facing, that'll be enough to placate the fans, and I think he'd be able to stay on. But anything less than eight, especially with all those quarterbacks that we're transferring out, and uh, I think someone will be on the hot seat this year. Yeah, interesting. And, and you know, Phil, I mean, it's almost a they they, they got to come away with a win over UCLA because, you know, going to Auburn in two weeks, they got to go to Bama, of course. They got to go to Mississippi State. Uh, that That is always a, a dangerous trek there. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure, you know, if, if he achieves eight, I'm going to say he's had a very, very strong year. You know, and the one thing that A&M really has to start doing is taking care of business at home. They have one of the best home field edges in the country at College Station, yet they have played six ranked SEC teams at home and dropped all six. And uh, and so they need to start winning those games at home uh, to really get up to that eight or nine win level. I hope you're going to make strong as steel. Of course, with uh, noted college football analyst uh, Phil Steele, will do this uh, uh, on the podcast side each and every week. Uh, make sure you're always checking to every day 
philsteel.com for not only the latest in uh, all the goings on and unfortunately a lot of that is as leading up to this season has been off the field phil i I've got to tell you, I, I can't remember, and I, I say it with, uh, you know, I'm, it saddens me, but it's unfortunate, but I can't remember uh, the amount of off-the-field incidents and issues that have cost coaches significant players heading into this season. I, I hope it starts to clean up and head in a different direction because, you know, it's, uh, it's almost a daily thing you're hearing about some, somebody in some program. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I think the the way that the cell phones operate nowadays where basically there's a camera everywhere you go, whereas, uh, That's right. you know, 25 yep. years ago there was very few cameras out there, but now they capture everything uh, with the cell phones, and uh, I think that's added to it. But uh, there does seem to be a lot almost every year recently. I think there's been an uptick the last three to four years, and, and this year, especially the last couple of weeks, uh, a lot of players getting in trouble. Yeah, I you know I always uh, I've got such a great uh, feeling for and uh, such a fabulous job all the coaches do. Sometimes you you know you almost feel for them a little bit that they're dealing with things like this as much as they are in uh, trying to make sure that their their defenses are set to face some of these fabulous offenses. But we'll hope that uh, that is the case. All right, again, six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight six four six. 668-2248. We're strong as steel. We're going to do this each and every week with Phil Steele, uh, the preeminent college football analyst, and make sure that you get a hold of, um, as Phil alludes to, this year's edition completed in the month of June, and you cannot be prepared for the college football season unless you have it. Phil Steele's college football preview, number one year in and year out for information analysis and keeping you exactly where you want to be with your favorite program all 128 of them in the fbs i feel about what over uh 10,000 man hours from your fabulous and woman from your fabulous staff to uh help prepare this edition of the magazine that uh, that got to press in the month of june correct yeah, for the magazine, I personally put in over 2,000 hours in the six months of magazine season. That's from the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving all the way through the June the 2nd this year. Staff put in an additional 10,000 hours. Now, I'm sure all the listeners out there already have their magazine, but one thing I want to throw out, Michael, is if they go to steelsweeklypreview.com, they can get information mm-hmm. on my weekly newsletter. I have forecasts on all the games, and this is where my computer forecasts the games. Now, last week I gave away one the first issue for free, the Cal Hawaii game. The uh, computer was way off. It called that game 46-26, to 26, a high-scoring game <laughs> with Cal winning by 20, and the final was 51-31, to 31, so way off on You're that way one. Off. Cal, You're way Cal off. By, yeah, Cal by 20 in a high-scoring game. If you, The thing I love about it, uh, Michael, is that if you print those box scores off and then get the actual box scores and line them up and circle any game within 25 yards, rushing or passing, and within three points, you're going to have circles all over your page. It's almost like getting the box score in advance of the game. You find it as a great help for the season. That's uh, steelsweeklypreview.com. Make sure you check that out. Phil has great confidence in what his computer comes back to him with regarding, as as, as you, he said to you, as he prepares for the magazine for the football season. And as you go week to week, 
uh, with that in mind uh, throughout this college football season. All right, 646-668-2248. The name of the podcast is Strong as Steel. I think you got to be strong. If, uh, I use it as part of my vernacular on shows, and uh, what could be better than the steel that you get as in uh, the best of when college football is at hand. So we're strong as steel on podcast each and every week. And, uh, of course, we'll, you'll be able to uh, grab your link as well at uh, philsteel.com and um, at Michael Regai. We'll put it up on Twitter as well, at philsteel042, at Michael Regai, so you won't miss a thing. All right, I'm going to call in our uh, esteemed producer, Jimmy the Boz. Jimmy, you, you ready to get fact or fiction rolling at Phil and I today? Have we lost Jim? I don't know. Maybe we – you know what, Phil? I'm, the, the Our phone lines, which is the way we love them, burning up today and i Let's got a go feeling that uh, jim might be a uh, chatting with oh with, gotcha. with, with one of our callers and so see when you're doing a live podcast you know that shows you though how hard at work jimmy the boss is to make sure we uh have everything clean and smooth with with all of you callers so again 646-668-2248 and uh, you can do it that way or you can we're going to check twitter a little bit later on as well and you can tweet as us at the show at Phil Steele, S T E E L E zero forty two at Michael Regai. It's R E G H I, and our producer at Jim Nabozna N A B O Z N A. That is how you can uh, get with us. And we want you to be very interactive with us on social media as well as uh, a lot to do with that. All right, uh, Jimmy the Boz, front and center, my man. You ready to roll fact or fiction at us on this first big show as a lead-in to this tremendous college football weekend? What do you have for us, Jim? Fact or fiction, Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette will both run for over 100 yards this weekend. Well, you know, Michael, I think when you when you take a look at that, your first reaction off the cuff is, of course, Delvin Cook and Leonard Fournette are going to run for 100 yards. Those are two of the best running backs in the country. But you do have to take mm-hmm. into account the defenses they're taking on. Wisconsin right. had one of the best run defenses in the country last year. Same thing with Ole Miss. Both are still loaded in the defensive front seven. However, when I break it down and look at this game, I, both games, I do see both Fournette and Cook topping 100 yards. Be a little tougher, I think, for Cook going against their defense. Uh, I've got Florida State with maybe about 180 yards rushing this week. But uh, I'm going to go with, yes, both do top 100. Ah, so Phil Steele says fact. Both uh, odds-on Heisman Trophy candidate, as in winner, most believe. Leonard Fournette and Florida State's Dalvin Cook will both go over 100 yards. Phil, I'm going to have some. You know what? I like the first thing you said about that. And the first thing that you said right away is you got to take a look at what defenses they're playing. I know this. <laughs> I think that Paul Christ, Wisconsin's defense, is going to make it a very difficult afternoon for Leonard Fournette. I'm going to say that Cook does against Old Miss and that Fournette does not when he comes into Lambeau Field where there might be some of those Vitz Lombardi, Green Bay Packer, NFL ghosts around too, Phil. I'm going to say fiction. 
All right. Jim, what Sounds else do you have for us? Next one in the pipeline. Fact or fiction, two teams from the same conference will make the college football playoffs this year. You know, that's one that I definitely think is a fact. And whether it's the SEC or the ACC, uh, as mentioned, I've got five elite teams out there this year, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, and Florida State. And I think when the committee sits down at the end of the year, I believe the Big Ten and Pac-12 will both have two lost teams in there. And they'll be comparing a two-loss team versus a one-loss team. Therefore, the conference championship is sort of in the middle. And then they, their determination is to put the best teams into the playoffs. And I think if you're going with the best teams, uh, it's going to be either the ACC or the SEC getting two of them in. Phil says fact. Uh, you know what? I, I've got to echo that as well. And it, it hurts me because under Phil and uh, my scenario, we're both Big Ten guys because we grew up in you know the backyard of the programs here in the Midwest. But um, I'm with you. I, uh, I I can't see that. Uh, you know, I Florida State or Clemson. I got a feeling they're both going to going to get in. So I'm with Phil on that, Jimmy DeBoz. We're both going to go fact on uh, that uh, one conference, a conference will have two uh, college football playoff entrants. Next, Jim. Next one up, Texas, fact or fiction, Texas true freshman Shane Bouchelle will get the starting job versus N- ND in week one. Oh, that's a good yeah, one, I don't, Phil. I think he definitely will. I mean, I watched him all spring, watch him in the spring game. He's the guy that runs the offense the best. He's got the confidence of the coach. Coach saw enough of him at halftime of the spring game to just say, hey, we got bad weather coming, call off the second half. He had over 200 yards passing in the first half. I think he's the perfect fit for that Texas offense. And the fact the game is at home probably lessens the pressure on a true freshman. So I'm going to say fact. Bushell starts, and I think he has a good game. Wow, which would mean, as Phil says fact, and, and Phil, I'm with you. I believe that, too. And if I'm Charlie Strong, that's the way I'm going. Right with you, Phil. But you know what? I'm going to say fiction. I got a feeling that uh, Tyrone Swoops is going to come out there to take the first snap. You know, the huge, uh, now senior, 250-pound senior quarterback who started 12 football games last year. So um, Phil's going with Bouchel. Yes, uh, as fact, I'm going to say it will be Swoops, although – I'm with you, Phil, again. If I was Charlie Strong, I'd go with the freshman. One more, Jim. What do you have as our final fact or fiction today? Final question. Fact or fiction, Ohio State's inexperience is the reason they don't win the Big Ten this year. You know, I would normally say yes, it is the reason they don't win the Big Ten, except for the fact they play their two biggest games in the Big Ten. And I'm talking about the ones that are going to determine the East's championship. That's Michigan State and Michigan. They play in Weeks 11 and Weeks 12 this year. Now, Ohio State's had the best recruiting class in the Big Ten for five straight years. Urban Myers lost a grand total of one regular season Big Ten game in four years. They will, by the time they get to Michigan State, Michigan, those two biggest games, they'll have already played at Oklahoma, at Wisconsin, at Penn State. You're no longer an inexperienced team. You're a veteran unit in week 11 of the season. Heck, those guys would all be counted as returning starters for next year. And I think the fact that they play those two teams at the end of the year will help them offset that inexperience and and take home the Big Ten uh, East title. Very, very interesting, Phil. And, of course, we know no nobody wins uh, like Urban Meyer. Uh, just, it lost one Big Ten uh, game in his, his time at um, at Ohio State. 
You know, as I said though earlier, as we started the show, I, I uh, I'm going to include in what you said the uh, the Michigan State Michigan games. I'm going to include that trip to Wisconsin as one on October 15th. That that might be difficult for the Buckeyes to navigate. Remember, a couple years ago they went into the whiteout at Penn State and wound up winning a a thrilling game that uh, ultimately went overtime. So. I've got Ohio State fill at 11 and two this year with a loss at Oklahoma and a Big Ten loss uh, either at Wisconsin or at Michigan State. So uh, I'm going to say if they're going to win the Big Ten East, it's going to have to get down into tiebreakers, even probably with another uh, eight and one squad. So I'll go fiction on that. Jimmy Boz, we appreciate it. That's excellent. We're going to do that and a lot of our segments, fact or fiction, um, periodically here on the show. We'll throw some other things that are fun in. And remember, your best way to be a part of it, Phil and I want you to be interactive. We need your voices and your opinions on how you think that uh, things will shake out as we go through the course of this season. Call us at 646 668 2248. That's what our man Ryan from uh, the great state of South Carolina has done. And I think Ryan, Phil, has got his eye on that, uh, the Rebels of Old Miss and how they may uh, play defensively this year. How you doing, Ryan? Good to have you. Hey, I'm doing well, Phil. How are you doing? Real good. Uh, how is uh, DeAndre Francois going to fare against Ole Miss's defense this week? All right. Uh, you know, when I when I look at Ole Miss, they have got three potential first-round draft picks on the defensive side. I'm talking about Marquise Haynes at defensive end, Tony Connor at linebacker, Kendarius Webster at cornerback. So that's a very good defense, one that I rate number 12 on the defensive line, number four at linebacker, and number 25 in the secondary. Now, I think when you've got a Delvin Cook in the backfield and a great offensive line in front of them, they're not going to put too much pressure on uh, DeAndre Francois. But keep in mind, a couple years ago, they had that big opening game against Pitt, and they let Winston go nuts in the game for a big game passing. I don't think anybody does a lot of damage against Ole Miss defense this year, but I'll call for a decent game for Francois. By the way, the injury to McGuire does not affect my thoughts on this game because I thought Francois was going to win the starting job and be the guy that gets to start in this game anyway. So it should be a a pretty even effort on that side of the ball between those two. It's going to be a great ball game to open up. Appreciate the call, Ryan. Ryan, very good stuff. And, uh, you know, indeed, Phil, you do have Florida State as your team that ultimately not only gets into the college football playoff here in year three of it, but ultimately wins it. So I mentioned this guy, and I, I want your thoughts, uh, Chad Kelly, and, and that uh, Ole Miss offense, I, it was prolific last year. I mean, I, the kid lit it up, threw for over 4,000 yards. I loved his – he had a better than two-to-one touchdown pick ratio. Um, you know, what? Hey, well, how about the bloodlines, Phil, right? Uh, NFL Hall of Famer, the great Jim Kelly's nephew, what him going against Jimbo Fisher's defense though in in week one? Uh, I you know I I question or not whether though that he's going to come out of the gate the way he finished off the way he did a year ago. This is a real tough assignment against that kind of stout defense, is it not? Yes, it is. And the one factor that I look at as far as this particular matchup goes is uh, Mississippi's uh, offensive line a little on the inexperienced side. They lose a lot of guys like Tunsil, 
uh, Walton, Morris, Cooper, all out the door in the offensive line. They're taking on an excellent defensive front seven for Florida State. Now, Kelly did pretty good against a dominating defense last year. Uh, when they took on Alabama, he threw for 341 yards. A couple of those came on that deflection, but uh, still, when you look at Chad Kelly, he's, got, he's the guy that's probably got the strongest arm in college football. Uh, he's a dangerous runner and passer, and he really is the wild card to this game uh, as far as Old Miss having a shot at winning it. I think if they had an inexperienced quarterback, Florida State would be a huge favorite in this game. But the fact that Kelly is one of the best quarterbacks in the country makes this one an interesting game on Monday night. Yeah, it's going to be a real good one, no doubt about that. Um, Phil, I, I want I want that, that's one of the ones we're looking at. And also, I'm very, very interested in how Dabo Swinney's group the Clemson Tigers, who you have is right there in one of the elite five um, in your possibilities for the college football playoffs. I do, too. Um, I, everybody expects them maybe to go undefeated and beat Florida State and win the ACC crown. Deshaun Watson, um, phenomenal. This is what, Last year they put up 38 points per game. Phil, can they duplicate over 500 yards a game, 38 points a game? Can we expect with Deshaun Watson at the throttle that Dabo Swinney's offense can equal, if not better, that kind of offensive explosiveness this year too? Well, the great thing about the magazine is in the front of it, I have my projected stats. And what I do is I play the season out with my, my computer, plays it out, takes into account the strength of opponent played, strength of opponents, rush defenses, pass defenses, point defense, uh, plays out the entire season. And my computer's actually calling for Clemson to go from 38.5 points per game to 41.6 this year. And for that offense, which averaged 515 yards per game last year, up to 545. It rates at Clemson as the top offense in the country. You know, Watson's got eight returning starters on offense with him, and that doesn't even include Mike Williams, who was his top receiver last year. They got injured in the first game of the season, uh, missed the year. He's back. So offensively, they've got the best unit in the country. And defensively, they have four starters back, and while that seems very low, keep in mind last year they only had three starters back and only allowed 313 yards per game. So this is a Clemson team that clearly is one of the best teams. I call them one of the elite five teams in the country coming into the season, and that they are. Now, as far as this opening game against Auburn goes, Auburn's going to have a much improved defense this year. Last year, if you watched Auburn in the first half of the first game, they were playing great defense, and a lot of that was due to the fact that they had uh, Carl Lawson there on the field. Lawson got injured. When we went out the door, Clemson's defense struggled. Uh, Lawson came back at the end of the year, and they took on Paxton Lynch and company in the bowl game and held Memphis to 205 total yards. This year they've got Carl Lawson, Montrevious Adams, Dontavious Russell on the defensive line, loaded in the uh, secondary as well. Offensively, I was hoping John Franklin III would win the job at QB and give him that mobile QB. Now, I know Sean White's more mobile than he was last year because he was banged up last year, but still a little concerned about the uh, the quarterback situation there. But the games at home, Auburn's one of those rebound teams where they were everybody's mm-hmm. pick last year to win the SEC, and now the, nobody's picking them anywhere. They've been picked as low as seventh in the SEC West, and that this could be a little bit of a dangerous spot. I see Clemson winning the game, but I think we're actually going to have a competitive game here, Michael. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I do too. Uh, and and again, though, I I also agree with you. I, I think we could be looking at uh, a Dabo Swinney offense that averages, when all said and done, forty 
points per game and certainly averaging with those 500 yards per game that I mentioned that they accumulated every time they went out last year. I mean, Phil, I look, what, uh, 45-40, right, in the national championship game? That was their own 14-0. They get beat by five in that wild one and where uh, defense was just a rumor on both sides of the ball against Alabama. Dabo Sweeney's got it rolling down there, doesn't he? Yeah, and, you know, the one thing you look at with uh, Watson at QB is last year he was coming off an ACL, and then the first four games he only had 238 yards per game total offense. But over the rest of the season, once they started to unleash him a little bit, over 400 yards per game, and I think against Bama, which had the best defense in the country, he had 478 yards in the championship game, and he's got a better supporting cast this year. So the sky's the limit for this Clemson offense, which I rate number one in the country. Sure, with with good reason. And uh, Watson, 68% of his throws completed on the year. Young man has just fabulous ball placement accuracy. That's why many expect him to be the number one name called, the first name called in 2017's NFL draft. All right, 646-668-2248. Let's go to that great state of Texas where uh, a lot will be going on this Labor Day weekend. Here's Brandon with some thoughts, though, on an SEC team that uh, nobody seems to be talking about. Hey, Brandon, how are you, man? Brandon, are you there, sir? You guys there? Yeah, we're there with you, Brandon. Go right ahead. You're on with Phil Steele and Michael Regai. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Gator fan, but I, uh, I'm i interested for uh, Phil to talk us through the SEC East. Obviously, Georgia's overrated every year coming into the season. And uh, Tennessee, obviously, they're getting a lot of hype with the uh, senior-laden team. But I feel like people are overlooking my Gators a little bit. So I'm just curious to have Phil talk us through the East. All right, Brandon. Well, I tell you what, a lot of the, the East can be decided in those head-to-head matchups, I think, this year with Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. Now, as you touched on, Tennessee's the most veteran group, not only in the SEC East, but how about the most experienced Power 5 team in the entire country? The only two teams that have more experience than Tennessee are Charlotte and Kent State. Uh, of course, those neither of those in the Power 5. Uh, Tennessee's got a veteran senior quarterback in Joshua Dobbs. They've got Jalen Hurd. Alvin Kamara in the backfield, and loaded on the defensive side of the ball. Now, for Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee fan, your question mark is that four-game gauntlet from September the 24th to October the 5th. They host Florida, a team that's beat them 11 straight years. Uh, the very next week they have to play Georgia on the road, then go to College Station and play A&M, and then wrap it all up with Alabama at home. I think if Tennessee gets through that four-game gauntlet with just one loss, they will win the East this year. But two losses, and that opens the door. You look at Georgia, uh, talent-wise, I think that they're one of the the better, uh, more talented teams out there. In fact, my powerful's got them number 29. Uh, when you look at them defensively, they've got Kirby Smart taking over a defense that was in the top 10 last year. I think Jacob Eason will do well as a QB. They need to get their running backs healthy. Chubb should be able to play in the opener. Michelle probably a week or two away from getting back there. Uh, the offensive line looks pretty good. And when you look at their schedule, they're probably the Tennessee games, one of those toss-up games would be an underdog at Ole Miss. The Florida games, a toss-up game. And the rest of the games are going to be favored. They play my number 57 schedule, so it's pretty favorable. That's why I list them as a contender in the East. And with Florida, the answer's simple. Beat Tennessee September 24th on the road. They've got the, the volunteers' number. If they win that game, Florida's a legitimate contender. And you're always a contender if you have a top-10 defense. Florida has that top-10 defense again this year. The Gators have uh, my number 7-rated offensive line, number 9 set of defensive backs, 
and they're going to get a vastly improved kicking game this year with uh, Eddie Panario taking over at the kicker spot. It's going to be one of the most improved positions in the country. I think Luke Del Rio will do good. I like the three-headed monster of running back with Thompson, Cronkite, and Scarlett. So if they can get past Tennessee September 24th, then I think Florida wins the East. So it should be a, an interesting year in the East, and I really do not see another contender out of the East. It's those three or nobody. Yeah, Phil, you know, I hope they turn the page. I, You know, uh, of course, uh, the SEC championship game last year, and granted, we're talking about an offseason and spring football and camp, but they didn't seem like they were too motivated and showed up to play. Michigan just drilled them in the uh, the Outback Bowl, and uh, uh, Florida looked very disjointed to me. I don't know if that was a hangover from losing the SEC, but um, – you know, I hope they went to work in the off season to, uh, you know, meet some of the lofty expectations they always have with their fans. Yeah, and a lot of that came down to the quarterback play. They were, they were to the point where they couldn't even complete a pass in the second half of the season. They were really struggling. And if you do go back to the bowl game, that was a game where they played well in the first half. They had a 250 right. to 238 yard edge, but they kept coming up short in the red zone. They didn't have a kicker, so they couldn't kick field goals. They didn't have a quarterback that could complete a pass. And then once they got behind, yes, Jim Harbaugh's a guy that likes to uh, win with some authority. And I think Michigan kept pressing their button and playing their A game. And Florida, which came in and probably expecting to win, uh, didn't play a very good second half at all. That second half was plum ugly if you're a Gator fan. Oh, yeah, it was. I just remember, you know, and again, he turned out to be, I saw him last, Vernon Hargraves, who was, well, you know, one of the top-rated elite corners in the, NFL, in the NFL draft and ultimately got taken in the first round. I mean, he got roasted twice uh, by uh, J.U. Chesson and Amara Darbo, and uh, Michigan just had a field day. So, you know, we'll see if uh, Florida is able to uh, get themselves righted and be a factor in the SEC East. Hey, we're delighted all of you are with us uh, here on Strongest Still. Phil, go ahead. You have something else to add? Uh, Florida's got two legitimate first-round draft picks on defense and quarterback Jalen Tabor and uh, middle linebacker Gerard Davis, and that really helps them have that number 10 defense. And by the way, Brandon, appreciate the phone call. Yeah, that was very good, Brandon. We do appreciate it. All of you jump on board. Six four. We still got some time left. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. This is what we're going to do every week. As I said, if you are a college football aficionado, number one, you you've got to uh, have all of the capabilities. And starting with Phil Steele's two thousand sixteen college football preview, get on the website at philsteele.com, S-T-E-E-L-E, for just so, by a bounty, so many more opportunities for you to uh, be where you want to be in terms of your knowledge, with whether it's your favorite football team or just the entire college football landscape. Make sure you do that, and you have all kinds of opportunities to do so, so at philsteele.com. All right. Again, 646-668-2248. Strong as Steel is the name of the show. He's Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. We're going to do this for you each and every week. Uh, Jimmy Boz, let's check in with our producer. I know a lot of you have uh, been social media uh, crazed today. Jimmy, you got some more of those outstanding tweets. Lay them on us. What do you have? Speaking of the SEC East, we have a tweet. From Taylor at Taylor Quinn one one two, Phil, do you expect UNC's offense to be effective this week with a new starting quarterback opening up against Georgia's defense? 
You know, I, I do think that uh, North Carolina will be able to move the ball because their quarterback that they have coming in is not your typical inexperienced quarterback that a lot of teams throw in after losing a longtime starter like they do. It is uh, Mitch Trubisky, who uh, comes right here from the Ohio area, and he had a great year last year in the backup role. Now, uh, you know, he he did only throw 47 passes last year, but he completed 40 of them. That's 85%. It's tough to complete 85% against air, let alone in a game. And two years ago, he got plenty of action as well. So here's a guy that's had a lot of action his first two years, uh, played well, has battled uh, Williams for the starting job. He's got Elijah Hood behind him. He's got Bug Howard, Mac Hollins, Ryan Switzer to throw to, a dynamic offensive line in front of him. I do think Mitch Trubisky will have a good first game, even though they're taking on a Georgia team that's got a legitimate top 10 defense. Appreciate the tweet there, Taylor. Real good stuff. Bug Howard, Phil, don't you love that? One of the the, the great names, and you know uh, if he can be a, a highlight machine, you know, Bug Howard is going to show up everywhere all year long. You know, I, I like what you said about that. You know, we know traditionally that Larry Fedora's offense, he loves that mobile quarterback, and not that uh, Trubisky can't find ways to get out of the pocket, but I feel like I got a feeling the pass game is going to be featured a little more predominantly than we've normally seen it with Fedora. Yeah, because last year Marquise Williams ran for nearly 1,000 yards and six yards a carry. Trubisky showed mobility in his limited time. He did run for over 100 yards on just 16 carries. Mm -hmm. He averaged six yards a carry. But when you look at the backup situation, Caleb Henderson left uh, the team. So their their backup is in a major question mark heading into the season. Might be a true freshman uh, in Chaz Surratt. So it could very well be Nathan Elliott, a redshirt frush. But I think they need to keep Trubisky healthy, and I think they probably will throw the ball more. Although having that guy, Elijah Hood, in the backfield, he's a guy that's a potential first-round draft pick. Keep your eyes on him this year. Yeah, he's a phenomenal talent, and the NFL uh, uh, people, their uh, scouting staffs have uh, big, big eyes for him. All right, Jimmy Boz, uh, any more tweet-wise that uh, you want to get on the show? Yes, we have one more from Sean McGady at SMCGT285. And he asks, Phil, thoughts on James Franklin's long-term status at PSU? Would he be safe with another seven-win season in 2016? Yes, you know, I think seven wins and he would be safe this year. I think anything less than that, it would be a trouble. One factor Penn State's got going against them is they play in the same division as Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. But really, when you look at Penn State, you know, you go back to Franklin's first year where he won seven years, they were extremely light on scholarships. This year, they're up to 85 scholarship players. They've been able to practice more, practice harder, uh, because they've got better depth across the board. Now they finally have the quarterback, a mobile quarterback in Trace McSorley, the perfect fit for the offense. They're going with Joe Moorhead as the offense coordinator, more of an Oregon-based <coughs> offense this year. And the advantage is the offense linemen don't have to hold their blocks as long. So I think you're going to see Penn State be much more effective on the offense. Defensively, I love the back seven. To me, the biggest question mark with them is the defensive line. They lose some pretty talented guys off the D-line. But they get Michigan State at home. They get Iowa at home. They get Ohio State at home. And I tell you what, if this team takes care of business at home, 
they've got the potential to be that sneaky team that gets in there at in the in the Big Ten East because of the schedule that they have. You look at their road games this year, Rutgers, Indiana, Purdue. They do play Michigan on the road, but take care of business at home. This team's a Big Ten East contender. Appreciate the, yeah, uh, the tweet there. Yeah. Yeah, no, do, do do appreciate that, and uh, well-constructed as well. Phil, I want to ask you about one more. We Let's stay in the Big Ten and go to the uh, the western side of uh, the conference, the West Division. Les Miles is bringing his uh, LSU Tigers uh, into Lambeau Field, as we mentioned. Now, can Les Miles develop a quarterback? We know but Al oh, Brandon Harris, the Purdue transfer, Danny Ebling, and, you know, I, I think more so this year, do you – Bring in Dave Aranda, right, who was ironically, here's Aranda who was a D.C. at Wisconsin. He's now joined Les Miles' staff. That's kind of some uh, very uh, tantalizing intrigue for this opener, isn't it? Yeah, it's great intel, I'll tell you that much, because you know Dave Aranda knows the strengths and weaknesses of every defensive player on that team, as well as the offense. He's been going against him in practice every day, so that's a great advantage to have when you bring in a guy like him. And Aranda's the type of defense coordinator that does not leave any stone unturned, so I think he'll use every little bit of that intel uh, for this particular game. And, you know, when I look at the matchup, I see a Wisconsin team that won 10 games last year, but did benefit from playing a pretty soft schedule. This year they're having the biggest increase in schedule out there. When they matched up against one of the Titans in the SEC last year, they got hammered by Alabama, 502 to 268. The key for them is they got to get that run game going. Their running game last year produced just 150 yards per game, 3.8 yards per carry. That was the worst since 1995, ironically the first year of the magazine when we put it out. It's been 22 mm. years. And uh, they do get Corey Clement back, but you look at that offensive line going against this LSU defensive front seven and Dave Aranda, I don't think they're going to get much more than that 150 in this particular one. But uh, it's going to be an interesting game. All those Wisconsin players really look forward to playing in Lambeau Field. But I like LSU to win this one on the road. Might be uh, one of the few low-scoring affairs this weekend among the uh, the big games we have on the docket. Phil, real quick, we want this hour has just flown by. Real quickly, uh, does Charlie Strong start off this very important 2016 season with a win over Brian Kelly in Notre Dame? They got drilled in South Bend last year. Did they get their uh, their revenge this season? Yeah, I think if you watched that game last year, you're probably laughing at that question, but this is a vastly improved Texas team. If you look at my magazine, I've got Texas the number one most improved team in the country. And I'm going to go back to two years ago when I had TCU my number one most improved team in the country. They went from 25 points per game to 46 points per game. The key was a change in offense. Texas has changed their offense this year, and I think they're going to have a similar type of improvement offensively. They only averaged 26 points per game last year, but they've got two 250-pound running backs in Chris Warren and Dante Foreman. They've got Shane Bichelle, QB. Uh, They are loaded, and defensively, Charlie Strong is a guy that knows defense, and last year's defense was not your typical Charlie Strong defense. They gave up 453 yards per game. But I think part of that's due to what happened when he first came in. It was a my way or the highway approach. They were thin defensively last year. This year they are loaded with players with starting experience. They're big in the middle on the defensive line. they got Malik Jefferson, a linebacker. I think they'll have one of the most improved defenses in the country. I think Texas has a legitimate shot at upsetting Notre Dame in the opener. Yep, I'm with you exactly on that. If you're a Notre Dame fan, I think you're going to see both Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire. 
who, of course, uh, was out for the year last year after the uh, the injury. Kaiser came on as a freshman, was terrific. So we'll keep an eye on that. Phil, this this hour has absolutely flown by. We want to thank all of you that uh, that called uh, the podcast here, Strongest Steel. We're going to do it every week, so make sure you keep an eye on it. You can uh, check out uh, Twitter at uh, PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai. We'll, uh, we'll link up uh, the podcast for you that you can uh, – you can grab a listen to anytime you like. Phil, a lot of fun. I mean, this weekend should be phenomenal, and I know next week week we're going to have a whole lot to talk about with regard to the outcomes of this weekend. Yeah, great first week for college football, and uh, as you mentioned, Michael, I'm finding it hard to believe that an hour went by already. So it was. I do appreciate everybody that called in and tweeted in, uh, and uh, I know that each week we're going to get more and more, and I uh, really look forward to answering your questions as the season goes on. Yep, it'll be fabulous. So please uh, keep uh, just stay with us on Twitter, and uh, you'll be aware every time that we're going to get together. But we're going to do it every week. A big thank you to our producer Jim Nabosna. Great work, Jimmy. Uh, that's going to do it for us. So have a fabulous weekend. We hope the uh, the football bounces your way for your favorite programs all weekend long. So for Phil Steele and our producer uh, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Great to have you part of Strong as Steel, and you keep looking for us. We'll see you next week right here, everybody. Till then, so long.